Hi, this is Chris from Staten Island, New York, and I hate to be the one to tell you this, but you're listening to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome. Episode 214 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me is my awesome scrumptious and lovely co-host Brittany page that was really good <laughs> i liked that you like that better well those were some new terms well i'm i'm trying to mix it up a little bit you know what i mean yeah yeah you know what i mean and uh maybe <laughs> maybe there's method to my madness you never know yeah you just you never know yeah that's true so how are you I am great. My eye socket kind of hurts right now. It looks a little little wonky. Does it? A little watery. Is it the is it this eye it that sure I'm pointing is. at? Yeah. yeah, something's happening to it right Not now. It just started. It just started. The sea was angry that day, my friends. Yeah, it's something... not looking good. Don't fuck with it. Well, it's not going to make it good. Okay. <laughs> it's hurting quite a bit. So is it uh maybe something that got in there during lunch? Because there was some characters in there during lunch that may have, there might have been some shit floating oh, around in the air. Right, right. I. You, you remember having lunch now? I do now, <laughs> but before I didn't. Um, yeah, that was an interesting conversation that we heard. Oh, I was still talking about the possible flex getting in your eye from. Oh, it's fine. The menagerie of interesting people. It'll clear up. I'm young. Anyway, I guess what well, Brittany and I were at lunch today, and we, as I always do, I'm always trying to eavesdrop, mainly fodder for the show, but also just interesting. Are you to really hear, what you try to eavesdrop on people? Oh, I'm always listening. Well, especially when people are talking loud enough for my deaf ass to hear. Okay, I have a severe hearing problem. You do deficiency. Mm-hmm. And if I can hear you, although I wouldn't call it severe, it's just in one ear. And it's not that bad. Wow. Wow, I'm being told. Apparently, my hearing problem isn't (laughs) that bad. This is news to me. Well, I'm just thinking of people that have almost complete hearing loss. Sure, I'm not deaf. Yes. But I... I have diminished hearing. You do. You cup your ear when you need people to... Repeat it. Like, hey, what's that, hey. Shetty? Speak can, up. Can you repeat that? I can't hear. Do, anyway. Do the, huh? Anyway, so we're having lunch today, and the people across from us are talking loud enough that I can hear them without straining to hear. Yes. I didn't have to do the old, hello, hey, we can't hear you over here. <laughs> anyway, this lady, it appears as though she's having lunch with an elderly relative or acquaintance. Yes. And she's middle-aged. And he's real old. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a chance he's not even alive right now. <laughs> I mean, it's only been a few hours and, eh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know why I'm vaguely laughing at that. Anyway, 
they're, they're, they took probably 20 minutes to order. And they didn't order in one. Like, let's get this. And then... Did they even end up ordering? I thought she was just reading the menu the whole time. Well, she ended up ordering something. But what, what struck me is, and it was, a, it was a deli, like a traditional Jewish, like New York deli. And the one, they were clearly Jewish, the people, because they talked about it loudly. They wanted everybody to know, apparently. And she was commiserating over what she was going to order. And she really wanted, remember this, she really wanted to order the liver. Yes. But she couldn't. And why not, Brittany? Well, because, of course, she had a fatty liver. (laughs) That is right. And so she can't have the liver because obviously when you eat liver, it is just immediately absorbed by your liver. (laughs) It makes total sense. Yeah. Clearly, she can't eat the liver because of her diagnosis. I mean, of a fatty litter. It's liver. like it's like how Gene Simmons has been advised to not eat beef tongue. Like, <laughs> you know, the tongue, it's already yes. It's already full and long. Who you don't knows need to what add his tongue to would it. do if he ate some beef tongue. <laughs> yeah, but she she really believed this. <laughs> right. She like yeah, yeah. she was explaining, I went to the doctor, the doctor said I really can't eat things like this because of the fatty liver. I can't have the liver specifically because of my condition because it, and she said it will go to the liver. Right. She said well, that. Well, you do know that people who donate kidneys, they get put on an all kidney diet as soon as they donate because, you know, it grows back. Yeah. You're like a salamander who lost its tail. Yeah. yeah anyway people are nutty they are nutty it's i don't know if the old man was having a free lunch either because he didn't seem to give a shit about what she was saying oh he didn't care he was wolfing down his matzo ball soup like nobody's business and not even into the exchange but i wonder if she was really told this or if she just kind of thought of this it's in her head or if she like watched Doctor Oz or something. Well, that or, that could be. Or maybe we're just unaware of that. This really is the case. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess that is an option, <laughs> but I think it's less of a chance. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's move on. First, let's drop the phone number, as I often, sometimes, do not. Often, sometimes, Brittany. Often, sometimes. Six five seven four six four seventy six. Zero nine. That is our voicemail to which you can leave, at which you can leave a fewer than three minute voicemail message for us. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's get into our listener feedback, starting with a voicemail related to our Food Network. Um, comment section conversation we had last time, which led to my my revelation that I love putting leftovers in tortillas. Hey, Jesse, this is Chris from Lenore City, Tennessee. Uh, I'm calling in response to your show, The Food Network. I wholeheartedly agree. Any tortillas in the house are a perfect delivery system for leftovers. I myself just took leftover a sort of spaghetti with crescent rolls type of a thing that we saw on uh, some 
Facebook post on her. And I took the leftover of that, which is awesome in its own right, which is croissant rolls, meat, uh, spaghetti sauce, stuff like that uh, mixed together. Uh, but I took that scrumptious item and mixed it with <laughs> tortillas and some extra cheese and just had myself a lovely lunch here on this great day of life here in Tennessee. But I thought I was going to give my two cents on that. Thank you for your show. I enjoy listening to it every week when it comes on. Uh, I'm a Patreon supporter, and I'm trying to support the show as much as I can. Thank you for keeping the conversation moving. Awesome. What a tasty, tasty treat. Spaghetti. It sounded like more of a concoction <laughs> than like a, a legitimate recipe. That had a lot of ingredients. Meat and sauce and spaghetti, just randomly crescent rolls like mixed into the spaghetti. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. Yeah, but apparently it was good in a tortilla, so that's all that matters. Which also leads us to understand why I described Brittany at the top of the show uh-huh. merely nine minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, I described Brittany as my awesome, scrumptious, and lovely co-host. Which is awesome in its own right. Uh, but I took that scrumptious item. <laughs> and finally. And just had myself a lovely lunch here. <laughs> <laughs> New drops on the show. I don't know if they're going to remain. Uh, certainly, they're going to be used today. Uh, but I took that scrumptious item. And let me tell you, I like the the use of those type of I Like, I would like to be a guy who uses the word fantastic more. You should. Why don't you? I don't know. Like one time when I was working on Capitol Hill, and I, I was just standing there, and a guy came around a corner. He was a reporter. He came walking around the corner, and I'm, I'm standing there with a buddy. Uh-huh. And he said, uh, hey, how are you today? And I said, fabulous. <laughs> and my buddy, who happened to be from Alabama, I believe, he yeah. was the son of the, at, at the time, the attorney general for Alabama. Wow. Moore was his last name. And he goes, don't you don't say fabulous. What or, the hell? Or he said, he said, uh, don't say fabulous. <laughs> he wasn't quite that bad, but he said, don't say fabulous. Like, what what do you mean don't say fabulous? He goes, You sound really gay. What? If you say fabulous, he's gonna think you're gay. Like, I, I, one, I don't think that's true. And I what do I care if he thinks I'm gay? Yeah. So, but fantastic doesn't seem to be quite as flamboyant as as fabulous i still use fabulous you've had several situations where that has happened where people have said oh they're gonna think you're gay because you're doing something that people think is gay apparently whatever that is yeah i had a job once in sales where i was i was working with some people and they said something about how they would look gay if this or that and i I said, well, I'm gay, and I don't, I don't think that. I turn it right or back around on him. Well, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, I've never, I've, maybe I'm just secure enough in, in who I am that, plus that's just not, I mean, at the time for me, that was probably would have been like an insult. I, that would have been something I was bothered by because it was a time in my life where I wasn't quite as free thinking and open about the world as I am now. Was this Republican Jesse D? This would have been Republican Jesse D. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, this would have been probably 22 or 23 year old mm-hmm. Jesse D. So I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just secure. That kind of ran away from us. <laughs> well, I also, I don't know if it's so much 
being secure or just not having that discriminatory attitude toward the LGBT community where you don't view it as a shameful thing. And there's some people that view it as a shameful thing. So they think, oh, I can't be like that or well, oh, I can't be perceived like that. It's just weird. The the lower thinker, what they perceive as an insult. Well, it's 2016. Yes. And <laughs> yes. I. It's just I don't understand what's happening. All right. Well, let's move on. Okay. The other listener feedback. Thank you, Chris, by the way. Yes. Amazing voicemail. And just had myself a lovely launch here. Lovely, lovely voicemail. Uh, we got an email again on the spanking topic. This time, not quite in support of our position. Um, they had maybe some uh, an alternative perspective. So this is from Mateo. And... They say, regarding the issue of spanking, in parenting our two sons, six and two, we have had to resort to spanking the older one on only t one or two occasions by either of us. The reason to resort to this form of discipline resulted from repeated efforts to influence behavior, parenthetically, curb aggressive behavior, disobedience, and foul talkback. Spanking is the absolute last resort on enforcing discipline when all other forms are exhausted. Time out, taking away privilege and making them aware of consequences seemed to work. As a child, physical punishment was something that was used as a last resort, as deliberate, disrespectful behavior was being used against an adult figure, like a parent or grandparent. I don't think it is accurate to equal spanking with physical abuse, as I think most people do. The examples you played in the first episode of the five-year-old being disciplined while the mother videotaped it is endemic of much larger issues, class, economic, etc. As far as what the studies, quote-unquote, show, I don't really care. I am not interested in statistics, only personal experience. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait. That has to be a made-up line. Oh, I'm sorry. That was my personal opinion that I just kind of inserted into the... Sure, sure. Read that line again. Um, I am not interested in statistics, only personal experience. Statistics don't really tell the story of individuals, but only point to something else. Wow. Okay. Okay. Continue. As a child, I know that the threat... That wasn't really me. It was the message. Okay. I, I think everybody got the message. <laughs> As yeah. a child, I know that the threat of corporal punishment did deter me from acting disrespectfully toward adults. As it did me, as I said. And did deter me from being aggressive in my behavior toward others. Children need to be led to believe that they have to depend on their parents for their own welfare. And sometimes, I say sometimes, fear needs to be instilled, maybe in a corporal fashion... If needed, as children act more on their large impulse emotions, which they do not understand. Sometimes reason is not an option. That being said, I cannot point to any one reason why corporal punishment might need to be employed. That needs to be up to the parents. I think parents have the right to employ corporal punishment as they see fit, but with the knowledge that they, parents, can be held legally responsible. Did I mention I work in child welfare for a state child protective service? No, you did not mention that. No, of course not. <laughs> in my time working in this capacity, I see severe abuse that stems from corporal punishment, but I also see that abuse is not spanking your child if the situation requires. <laughs> well, I don't think we took the position, at least I didn't take the position, that just merely spanking your child 
is abuse. No. Uh, I think that it is certainly, there are better alternatives out there. Well, listen, you can say that it is not the right thing to do. And that doesn't mean it's abuse, but it means it's not the right thing to do. Absolutely. And so we weren't saying that spanking is abuse. Obviously. Not all spanking is. It can be clearly abuse. Oh, clearly. But obviously, Mateo is saying, you know, I have worked in a child protective service capacity. I've seen severe abuse. I'm comparing that to the one or two occasions I've spanked my child. I know that's not abuse. And that's not what we're saying that's right. not what the caller on the last episode was saying that's not what anyone is saying right but when you say i've also said multiple times that the vast majority of parents love their kids are concerned for their well-being have uh their 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 ultimate health in mind even when they spank it's just they're making the wrong choice I don't think that they're trying to fuck their kids up right? for the most part. Right. But I'm confused by someone who says that they don't care about uh, data or statistics because this study was over five decades. That's 50 years. Yeah. And like what? Like 100,000 kids or something? Over 160,000 kids. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's not just some random polling data. This is they went deep on this study. To ignore the results of this is foolhardy at best. You can't ignore that kind of data. Yes, and I think that you have a Louis C.K. clip that you wanted to play. Well, again, yeah, I wanted to play it again. We, this is not the first time we've talked about spanking. And he is so succinct in his summation and his take on the issue. I really think it's crazy that we hit our kids. It really is Here's the crazy part about it. Kids are the only people in the world that you're allowed to hit. Do you realize that? They're the most vulnerable and they're the most destroyed by, hit, by being hit. But it's totally okay to hit them. And they're the only ones. If you hit a dog, they fucking will put you in jail for that shit. You can't hit a person unless you can prove that they were trying to kill you. But a little tiny person with a head this big who trusts you implicitly, fuck them. Who gives a shit? Let's fucking hit. Let's all hit them. Hey, your people want you to hit your kid. If your kid's making noise, about like, hit him. Hit him. Hit him. That's what, we're proud of it. We tell, I hit my kids. That's what people say all the time. You're damn right I hit my kids. Why, why do you hit them? Because they were doing a thing I didn't like at the moment. And so I hit them and guess what? They didn't do it after that. Well, that wouldn't be taking the fucking easy way out, would it? How about talking to them for a second, you fucking retard? How do you find, how is that? How is that? What are you, an idiot? What are you, a fucking ape? Well, I know it's the pain in the ass. Well, you fucked a woman and a fucking baby came out of her vagina. Now you be patient. (laughs) It's not their fault. Well, I'm teaching them that you hit things. Learning the world, you hit him. And he'll know (laughs) that I'm stronger than him. 
that it hurts when my hand hits his face. He'll know. <laughs> we'll get some wisdom out of that. <laughs> I'm raising him right. Oh, damn it. I mean, pretty, he summed it up pretty good. Well, you'd think he, he has a degree in psychology or has engaged in some sort of education on behavioral therapy because he hits on a lot of elements that are taught in like parenting classes. Yeah. And I wanted to read a segment from um, Alan Kasdan, I think is how you say his name. And he has a book, The Kasdan Method for Parenting the Defiant Child. And this is great. It is a great tool, but I wanted to just read a couple of things from it. Um, so he says, parents who use relatively harsh punishments should also bear in mind that they're modeling unwanted behavior for the child they punish. Hitting teaches hitting as the way to respond to problems raised by life. Yelling teaches yelling. Becoming visibly angry teaches anger and so on. Modeling is a very strong way to teach behavior, stronger than punishment, which helps explain why the harm you do with harsh punishments can multiply and last a long time. The research finds consistently that children discipline other children in the way their parents discipline them. Wow. Bear yeah. in mind too that punishing a behavior is still a form of paying attention to it and any kind of attention can encourage your child to do it again. Wow. And clearly that's empirically based. He's not just making opinions out of fucking thin air. No. It's a guy of letters. It's a guy who has done research, voluminous amounts of research that is peer reviewed Science. He has scienced the shit out of this. Right. But if you don't care what, quote unquote, the studies show, then it's difficult. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, thank you for the email. It is. This is all part of moving the conversation forward. You don't have to agree with us. We don't have to agree with you. And, but you know what? It's the beautiful thing is the coming together and talking about it. But seriously, get, get, get you some stats in your life. Some science in your life. Don't base your opinions so strictly on anecdotal evidence because it might not fail you right now, but eventually that shit is going to it's gonna come crashing down on you because it is not often corroborated with, with the real deal. It's also a difficult way to engage in discussion because, you know, you can say this was the situation for me. I can find someone who would say the opposite. You could find another person. We could keep going right, back and forth. Right, but right. that's why we have decades long research and all these these large samples. So absolutely. Again, thank you guys very much. If you, too, would like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609, you can email a regular email or a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Before we move on, I want to talk about something. Brittany and I, as you know, we're both uh, originally from Idaho. We live in the Los Angeles area now, but we are from Idaho. And there are a lot of Mormons in Idaho. Per capita in Boise, there are more Mormons than Salt Lake City, Utah. It is ground zero. <laughs> if you will, for Mormon population. Mm -hmm. Well, right now, BYU, which is Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, is having... They call it the Harvard of something. The Harvard of the... Of the West? Is it like the Harvard of the Mormons? Oh, it's the Harvard of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's like the only <laughs> Mormon school. There's only one of them. It's... Well, that apparently, doesn't make any fucking sense well, apparently at all. the one school they have is like Harvard. It's so the that's Harvard. great. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. it's the best. 
<laughs> I think it's more like the BYU <laughs> of the Mormon church. Well, yeah. God damn. Anyway, they are having an issue right now, just like many schools, with sexual assaults on campus and the reporting thereof. However, BYU is dealing with it in a very Mormon way. Brigham Young University is gripped by protests over how sexual assault is handled. Demonstrators joined victims yesterday on the Utah campus. Some alleged victims say they've been investigated for possible violations of the Mormon school's honor code, which bans premarital sex and alcohol use. Undergraduate Maddie Barney, who says she was raped, has filed a legal complaint against the university. She accuses BYU of violating the federal Title IX law. It prohibits sex-based discrimination in education and addresses sexual violence. CBS News legal expert Ricky Kleeman is here. Ricky, good morning. Good morning. Okay, so let's talk about this federal complaint. Specifically, what does it allege? What it alleges goes back to her facts. Um, she says that she was raped um, and it took her then four days to report it because she was so concerned that something bad would happen to her from the university. Mm -hmm. About two months later, she receives a notice from the university that she, although she is a victim of a sexual complaint, that she is also in violation of the honor code. Mm. So what's Help the... Help us understand that, Ricky. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it, it certainly doesn't make any sense to someone who thinks that if you're a victim of right. a sexual assault or right. an alleged victim, that something bad should happen to you. If you go to the police, that you should be able not only to tell the truth, you must tell them the whole truth. But how does she, how does she the victim, violate the honor code? Because the, the honor code at uh, BYU, as it is at other conservative institutions, may go so far, because it's a Mormon institution, to say you violate the honor code if you drink alcohol, if you do drugs, but most important, if you are not chaste, mm -hmm. if you have premarital mm -hmm. sexual relations. Mm -hmm. They won't even tell her what her honor code violation is. So she's working in a bind. She gets upset. She's having trouble with classes. They will not support her and give her rape services that they would give to a victim because her lawyer tells her, correctly so, do not cooperate with the honor code violation because it may hurt your criminal case. So, so did, did she know all this and so therefore she did not report and it took her four days to report because she understood all these possibilities? I don't think she understood them quite in the detail that they occurred, but she understood enough to know that simply her conduct of having a man come up to her room and even engaging in the slightest kind of contact with this man that may be considered improper, mm -hmm. that at that point in time, she could go on probation or get kicked out of the university. You know, she's not alone here. So that clip was awesome. Uh, it saved me a lot of reading. Char Charlie Rose is a goddamn boss, by the way. Yeah. I, uh, separate and apart from this. Charlie Rose is a boss. Sorry, go ahead. He is fantastic. So the university... Scrumptious. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. BYU... Uh, that scrumptious item. BYU, not a scrumptious item, has told Barney, the, the student, that she cannot register for future classes. She is no longer welcome at the institution her father attended before her, along with her aunts and uncles and two cousins. 
being thrown out of BYU is a black mark that can follow a LDS member. Right. The LDS meaning Church of Latter-day Saints. If you, that's another word for Mormon. And it is. I mean, because it is the Harvard of BYU or the Harvard of the Mormon Church. It's the only fucking Mormon church, but school. But um, tight knit communities. They talk. They're all BYU alum. It for sure is going to follow her. Sociologist Ryan Cragen, who specializes in Mormonism at the University of Tampa, said it can bring with it horrible guilt and shame and dishonor. If it's tied to the honor code, not only is it tied to academic failure, but you're a sinner. This could cause ramifications for your eternal salvation. So less important because that's fake. And what happens here on this planet is real. So getting kicked out is real. It affects her present and her future it's a problem so the suspect is a 39 year old male who lied to her about his age and his name told her he was single uh raped her while she was screaming out no and crying and he has been arrested but he's free on bail and his wife attends the court hearings by his side now what she what she is complaining about part of what she's complaining about is the fact that the utah county sheriff's deputy somehow passed a copy of the police report to the byu's honor code office this is what she believes happened because the document details what happened with the rape and it has a statement from the nurse who examined her and byu was privy to things they should not have been privy to that is what the implication is wow And so that's obviously a problem. That's also probably illegal. Mm-hmm. So this sacred institution, Brigham Young University, is complicit in breaking the law, taking access to a sexual assault victim, and then victimizing her a second time. It's disgusting. So she says, quote, if I hadn't reported my rape, none of this would be happening to me. The very thing I was supposed to do, the right thing, led to me getting kicked out of school. The way that BYU has treated me has been so callous that it's been almost as bad as the rape itself. And when we say BYU, you could just plug in there the Mormon church because they control what happens there. If the hierarchy of the Mormon church wanted this to go a different way, it would have gone a different way. They could alter the outcome here with the stroke of a pen, and they choose not to because they are complicit and they condone this behavior. It's disgusting. Well, I mean, (laughs) um, I'm sure that they are going to have to answer to this because this is making the rounds This is being reported in The Guardian. This is being reported everywhere. Right. And so they're going to have to answer for this. They cannot hide. Nor should they be able to. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will certainly follow up on this. And um, goddamn, it's just sad. It is sad that, again, it is 2016 and an organization that represents a fairy tale holds this much power over an entire population of people. No good. 
The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her <laughs> views and analysis. Oh, it's been a long time since we've played that. Yes, it has been. Maybe I'll have to break it out more often. All right. Moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. So we just released only hours ago, released a bonus episode wherein we, we interviewed in studio here the the rarest of individuals, <laughs> a gay Latino Republican Trump supporter. Yes. I mean, what what are the chances of that existing? That's got to be like one in five trillion. Who knows? Anyway, Nestor came into studio. He's a guy that we we saw when we were at the Trump rally. I tracked him down via hashtag. So for those of you who hate the use of hashtags, they came in real, real handy. They serve a purpose. Yeah. I searched gay gays for Trump, I think, on Instagram and Twitter and sure enough, he was the first one. I fucking located the guy. Yeah, I think he might have been the only one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he wasn't. But anyway, he came into studio. We had a great conversation. Um, An hour just flew by. Yeah, it was not contentious. It was respectful. We got into his backstory a little bit, which was fascinating. And uh, that bonus episode is about an hour and four minutes, and it is absolutely worth your time. So it is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you, guys. You are awesome. We love you. You are not just doing a service for the show, but for the remainder of the audience who are not yet Patreon supporters. We've already received a comment on it. Someone said, interesting episode, but your guest may have made me dislike Trump more than I already did. (laughs) He did not convince me. Wow. Well, I didn't figure he was going to do much convincing, but it's an interesting conversation nonetheless. So Yes. Thank you very much, and we will be providing more and more and more of that bonus content. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. And oh my God, what a busy few days it has been in politics. Wow. I mean, holy shit. Tuesday night, I was driving. I drove over to Huntington Beach to get some shit done. And when I got out of my car, because you can't be on your phone in California. They will like throw you in prison for 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I got out of my car, and I had like 13 text messages, several Facebook messages from multiple people, including the lovely Brittany Page. And just had myself a lovely lunch. And yeah. let me tell you, I was shocked. I feel shocked, Cotton, <laughs> that Ted Cruz dropped out of the race. From the beginning, I've said that I would continue on as long as there was a viable path to victory. Tonight, I'm sorry to say, 
it appears that path has been foreclosed. <laughs> oh my God! Together, we left it all on the field in Indiana. We gave it everything we've got. But the voters chose another path. And so, with a heavy heart, California. but with boundless optimism for the long-term future of our nation, we are suspending our campaign. So right after this happened, he turned around hugged Heidi, then he tried to hug someone else, and Heidi was trying to get in on it, too, and he dropped a bow right on Heidi's head. That was her, that was his dad. Oh, was that, that Raphael, Raphael Cruz? Cruz? Oh, okay, yeah. so he's hugging his dad, well, Heidi's he, trying to get in there. He punched her in the face. A mild punch. Well, yeah, I have no mean punch. Obviously, I'm being funny. Okay. But he, it was, he made contact with his fist to her face, Yeah. like in an awkward... Like a nerd who doesn't have a lot of physical contact and like the first hug, super awkward, that kind of guy, like in a movie. Yeah. And so he's like, ah, burp, and then tried to like bring his hand back and instead like jacked her in the face with the elbow. Uh-huh. God damn. Yeah. What a nightmare that guy is. It was very unfortunate. Can you imagine how awkward sex is with Ted Cruz? But the reason, <laughs> don't want to talk about that, the reason that he dropped out is because he lost Indiana. That is exactly right. And Donald Trump won Indiana. Handily, he won. 53%. He got 57 delegates out of the deal. And that is why John Kasich also dropped out of the race. Throughout my campaign, I have said the Lord may have another purpose for me. And it set all the pundits at Twitter. Does that mean he's not committed or or he's not focused, or he's not energetic. It showed to some degree how little they understand about life. You see, I have always said that the Lord has a purpose for me as he has for everyone. And as I suspend my campaign today, I have renewed faith, deeper faith, that the Lord will show me the way forward and fulfill the purpose of my life. Thank you, and God bless. So, those are the least, the last gentlemen to fall. The, the final quitters of the Republican primary process. Right, and to finish up the Indiana primary results, Bernie Sanders won. Yeah, he did. He won with 52.7% of the vote and got 44 delegates. Solid. So another win for Bernie Sanders. That is That would be the good news, I guess, of the campaign night. And the bad news would be that Indiana gave Donald Trump a, hand, a handy win and rendered him the presumptive nominee for the Republican nomination for the race for the presidency. Right. And it's been rather contentious between Donald Trump and the GOP, particularly Rents Priebus, the chairman of the Republican National Committee. But when all this was happening, when Ted Cruz was dropping out, Donald Trump is giving his... Which, by the way, was a shocking occurrence. I mean, I was making jokes earlier. No one expected this. I think even the people in the crowd when he came out to... to 
to to drop out, even the media and the people, it was like, what the fuck just happened? Holy shit. Right. So after Ted Cruz dropped out, Rents Priebus tweeted right before Donald Trump came out to give his victory speech that Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee and that the party needs to rally around him, which is he's completely singing a different tune. Well, I'm completely confused right now because how can Donald Trump be the presumptive nominee with the vast preponderance of the delegates if it's such a rigged system against him? Yeah. (laughs) What a Which, whiny little mealy mouth. Okay, liar. so he is yikes. He is still talking about how it's a rigged system today. He's still talking about it. Right. Everyone is saying he's the presumptive nominee and he's still talking about the rigged system. Right. It's so rigged that he's the presumptive nominee. Yeah. Goddamn. Anyway, uh, it wasn't the only crazy thing that was going on. While Donald Trump was giving his his uh, speech and the family was walking up to the microphone, Chris Matthews from from MSNBC, you know, Tuesday night while all this was going on, unbeknownst to me, I was having a conversation with someone about how the person who I was talking to believes that Chris Matthews has lost it, I think was the quote. Mm. And this was happening probably at the very same moment we were we were talking about it and it is it's bizarre he is caught you're gonna hear he has an open mic his mic is turned on and he doesn't know it and he is commenting as uh melania i almost said malia as melania trump is walking out with the family to the microphones chris matthews is making all kinds of weird comments do you want me to read what he says? Yeah, I do, because I want the audience to be listening for the audio. As I'm going to play the audio twice, but Brittany, read the, read the comments, and then we'll play it, and then we'll read them again and let them listen again. Look how she walks. Did you see her walk? That's a runway walk. My God, is that good. I could watch that runway show. All right, next time I'm going to read it how I think uh, it should be read. That ability, and only the candidate can make. And that the party decision. will trust Trump to be able to make that decision. Well, I think the party won't have walks. a role in it. You see her walk. We um, runway. Walk. We just uh, heard God, from the likely great? nominee of the Republican Party. Um, we will go to a break here. I can watch that the discussion continues right after this. All right. So this is how I believe it probably should have been read, Brittany. And but I just don't think you're capable because you're not a creepy man. But I could fake like I'm a creepy man. Okay? Oh. Uh, look at how she walks. <laughs> Did you see her walk? <laughs> mm, that's a runway walk. <laughs> My God, is that good. <laughs> I could watch that as a runway show. Mm. Okay, so. God damn, that's a walk now. Okay, I think. <laughs> that is creepy as shit. And so. I, I think the most alarming part is the long pause between my God, is that good? And I could watch that runway show. It's like a five minute pause. Like he's just watching her. So listen again. And it's right after Rachel Maddow talks. And then you can hear it like in the audio bed. It's underneath. So try to listen one more time to Chris Matthews being creepy as fuck. 
compatibility, and only the candidate can make and that decision. And the party will trust Trump to be able to make that decision. Well, I think the party because won't have walks. a role in it. Do you see her walk? We, um, runway walk. we just uh, heard God, from the likely great? nominee of the Republican Party. Um, we will go to a break here. I can watch that the discussion continues right after this. What's great about this is you can hear Brian Williams and Rachel Maddow, but Brian Williams especially, he's like pausing in his speech because it's throwing him off because he can hear it Mm -hmm. in his IFB, in his little earpiece. He can hear Chris Matthews getting all creepy. Yeah. God damn. Get it together, Matthews. What are you doing, man? Yeah. Well, the (laughs) other thing that was happening as Ted Cruz was dropping out is Google searches for Libertarian Party were surging. (laughs) Surging. Right. Everyone's like, hey, where's that Gary Johnson? What has he been doing? Right. I am am off of this shit. We got to find something else. And along with that, almost one in five Americans say they'd consider a third party candidate if the nominees were Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. So that is why Google searches for the Libertarian Party were surging. Yeah, that's right. So um, after Donald Trump was named the nominee or the presumptive nominee, we still don't know for sure. uh, He was talking in an interview about campaign funding because up to this point he has claimed that he's self-funding when he's actually just loaning himself the money to be paid back later by the party. And also party inclusion. He made some odd statements. Yeah, we'll see how that all shakes out on those various issues. But I want to ask one another question about the general, Donald. Good morning. Um, Good morning. Um, you, you've got you're headed down to a general election that, by most reckonings, is going to cost about a billion dollars to run a, a national campaign. Um, you've been very proud about being self-funded throughout this nomination fight. You now have Republicans like Ed Rollins and talking about forming pro-Trump super PACs. So uh, as you head into the general election, are you going to welcome the support of super PACs? as you uh, get ready to run against Hillary Clinton? Well, first of all, Ed Rollins and others have been so tremendous. You know, we talk about the negatives, the crowd hammers who are, you know, people that they have problems, they have real problems, but, and and George Will that nobody reads or nobody listens to. But I'll tell you what, I have had such incredible support. And I'll tell you, I'm going to be making a decision over the next week. The question is, I do love self-funding, and I, I don't want anything for myself, but we do need money for the party. The party will come together. I don't think it's imperative that the entire party come together. I don't want everybody. I don't even want certain people that were extraordinarily nasty. Let them go their own way. Let them wait eight years or let them wait 16 years or whatever, because I think we're going to have a great success against probably Hillary, because the system is totally rigged against Bernie. Yeah. I've been t- Totally rigged against him, so probably we're going to have Hillary, and I, I, I will make a decision fairly soon as to that. I mean, do I want to sell a couple of buildings and self fund? I don't know that I want to do that necessarily, but I really won't be asking for money for myself. I'll be asking money for the party. And really, it's something that we're going to start on right away. In All fact, right. I, I got a call yeah. last night from Reince Priebus, and it's something that now that we're in this position, we're going to start yeah. on right now yeah. and start focusing Willie on. Willie has an important question, please. So a number of things there are just completely ludicrous now that, you know, even at the Donald Trump event we went to, and when you hear Donald Trump supporters interview, they talk ad nauseum about how he's self-funding, and that's a big thing for them. He's self-funding. And here we find out he doesn't want to self-fund. He doesn't want to have to sell a few buildings. He's going to be taking all the money. 
There's going to be packs that he's going to be relying upon. He's going to be taking money from the party. He's not going to self-fund, just like I've been saying for months and months. Jesse D, seeing into the future. Anyway, the other thing is... Prognostication. Is, are you done? Psychic abilities. <laughs> uh, educated guesses. Yes. The other thing is, he doesn't want people who were extraordinarily nasty to him. <laughs> uh, are you... What? What? Are you fucking kidding me, <laughs> now, guy? What would be extraordinarily nasty? Would that be if someone talked about Melania Trump's vaginal blood? What yeah. What would be a nasty comment that would really upset him? Unbelievable, right? The, the, the height of hypocrisy. Unbelievable. How is he that out of touch? Well, he's out of touch in more ways than one. The other thing that really stuck with me is that he doesn't even know the length of a term for a sitting president. I don't think it's imperative that the entire party come together. I don't want everybody. I don't even want certain people that were extraordinarily nasty. Let them go their own way. Let them wait eight years or let them wait 16 years or whatever. 16 years? What is he talking about? Well, what is he planning to do? <laughs> uh, well, either he doesn't know how long a president's term is, which is outlined in the Constitution, uh -huh. or he really does have some weird machinations in play to, to have multiple terms beyond a second four-year term, which equals eight years well, not 16 this would be when a follow-up question is useful right well, mr trump when you say eight years or 16 years or whatever what exactly are you talking about and just let him answer yes well it's the same thing today i watched an interview with him and wolf or blitz <laughs> and uh blitz asked him <laughs> have you ever spoken to uh vladimir putin mm-hmm to which Trump responded, I'm, I'm not going to say. <laughs> and there was no follow-up. There was no fucking follow-up to whether or not Donald Trump has communicated yeah. with a, the virtual dictator yeah. of Russia. What does that mean? That is out of control. It should have been, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's wait, hang on, whoa, whoa. What? What do you mean you, you don't want to say? Yeah. Have you talked to him? Why don't you want to say? Yeah. That's problematic. It's a little alarming. Ugh, fucking media. All right. The other thing, listen, you think it gets as crazy as it can get, and it can't get no more crazy, Brittany. That's it. it we, we have reached the, the pinnacle of insanity. Well, it's funny to me because you just said with your exasperated sigh that you hate the media. Yes. And this is a, another problematic thing we're going to talk about where it relates to the media. Yes. With Steve Ducey. Brian Kilmeade, and what is her name? Ainsley Earhart. Ainsley Earhart. The, you know, she doesn't care about the minority. What about this country. the majority? Okay, the majority. So tired of protecting the minority. That's right. Well, this is Jake Tapper giving some commentary and kind of explaining what went down with Donald Trump making maybe one of the most insane assertions of this entire campaign. 
Good afternoon and welcome to a special edition of The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. What a day it has been. We're just two hours away from polls closing in Indiana. And the stakes could not be higher in the Republican race for the presidential nomination. If Ted Cruz and the anti-Trump forces cannot stop Trump in the Hoosier state, they may not be able to stop him at all. Befitting the stakes, Trump and Cruz engaged in a bitter and stunning exchange today. Every time you think this race cannot get any more ludicrous, it does. This latest episode started this morning when Trump cited a bizarre and completely uncorroborated report, and I use the term report loosely, in the National Enquirer, the supermarket tabloid. The National Enquirer, which has endorsed Trump and is published by a friend of Trump's, has been launching smear after smear against Cruz and his family. This story shows a photograph from August 1963 of a man standing with soon-to-be John F. Kennedy assassin Lee Harvey Oswald, handing out pro-Castro literature. And the story suggests that the man is Cruz's father, Raphael. Now... The problem is, there's really no proof that the photograph is, in fact, Cruz's dad, and Cruz's dad says it is not him. Nonetheless, Mr. Trump called into the Fox Morning Show this morning and said the following. His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being, uh, you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. What, what, what is this right prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. I mean, they don't even talk about that. That was reported, uh, and nobody talks about it. But what is he doing with Lee Harvey Oswald right. shortly before the death, uh, before the shooting? All right, so I'm going to stop it there. We're going to let uh, JTAP finish here in a second. But I want the audience to just remember what they just heard. Donald Trump absolutely made the claim that Lee, that there is a photograph of, not an alleged, he didn't make any, he didn't hedge at all. He's making the claim. He's making the assertion that Rafael Cruz is somehow involved, was somehow involved in uh, dealings with Lee Harvey Oswald and the assassination of former President John F. Kennedy. And he's telling this to the Fox News hosts, and they literally say nothing to challenge the claim or even ask anything. Yeah, it's... Again, another failing of the media. I cannot believe I need to say the following, but here goes. There is no corroborated evidence that Ted Cruz's father ever met Lee Harvey Oswald, or for that matter, any other presidential assassin. We in the media don't talk about it because there's no evidence of it. In fact, there is contrary evidence. Well before the picture was taken, Rafael Cruz's sister was brutally beaten by Castro forces, and Rafael Cruz had denounced the regime. So any suggestion that Cruz's father played a role in the Kennedy assassination is ridiculous and, frankly, shameful. Now, that's not an anti-Trump position or a pro-Cruz position. It's a pro-truth position. Thank you, JTAP. So, listen, remember, we just established... Trump was making the claim. He was speaking as though he believed it, and he was informing the audience of something that he knows. Well, here he is, less than 24 hours later, talking to Bliss. I'm sorry, Bliss. I meant Wolf, okay? About that interview. You don't really believe that Ted I Cruz's father had anything to do with the assassination of President Kennedy? No, I don't. 
because this was a story that was uh, in the National Enquirer. But here's the question. You're the Repu presumptive Republican presidential nominee. No, I wasn't. You were not then, at the time. But you were, or last week you said you were. Excuse too. You me. thought you were. Well, it but was not announced. Don't until you think last you need week. a higher standard, though, than to get involved in this well, kind of here's stuff? Here's what happened. Uh, Ted Cruz's father seems like a nice guy. I don't know him, but seems like a nice guy. He made horrible statements about me. You know, pray, praying for bad things to happen to me, okay, essentially. I said, that's horrible. And I was on a show, one of your competitors, and they showed me the clip. I said, wow, that's horrible. This, it's not just a one-way street, you know, where I do something. It was a horrible statement. I was actually surprised by it. And during that, and when I said how bad it was that a man would say something like that, I said, well, why don't, some, why don't you read the various magazines, because it's not only there, it was put in numerous, where he has a picture of himself with Lee Harvey Oswald. I'm not saying they it was on conspired. The internet, but the National Enquirer put it on his I'm cover. just saying it was all over the place. I said, well, why don't you talk about that? That was it. I'm not saying he did it, but I'm just saying it was all over the place. But now that you're but the just, Republican well, wait, pre presumptive nominee, you have, you have to have a higher standard than to repeat conspiratorial theories like that. First of all, I wasn't at the time. I didn't know if I was going to win Indiana or not. It ended up being a landslide. It was a tremendous victory, much bigger than anybody anticipated, including myself. They're incredible people out there, and I, I was. This was in the morning. Now by the afternoon, it looked like I was going to win, and then a little bit later, it looked like I was going to win big. So I was not a presumptive winner oh. at that time. I was not going damn. against them. They were going against. But me. bottom but, line, you don't believe. Was, you don't believe in that conspiracy. Of course, I don't believe that. Don't. What do you mean? Of course, I don't believe that. Uh, he has a legion of people who are supporting his candidacy, and this is the kind of insanity that he employs in the course of his campaign. I love the poorly educated. Goddamn. I, I just, it, it is so maddening when he speaks. He, this interview was not about his winning this right. interview was about his statements, and he talked about winning Indiana in a landslide. Oh, it turned out to be a landslide. Yeah, we don't care. You're not being asked about that. You're being asked about something else. Well, what he did is, is Blitz took one moment. He said, "You know, you're the you're you're the presumptive nominee," and he goes, "Oh, I wasn't then, though. <laughs> not when I said that I wasn't the presumptive nominee. Now I am, but I wasn't then. That has nothing to do with it. You should be living up to that. You should be running right now." and behaving as though you are the president of the United States. Yeah. You don't start acting like the president when you get the goddamn job. Act like it. Show us you can do the job. Show us you can be presidential. Yeah. You're not going to be the fucking the, the clown in chief. You're going to be the commander in chief of the most powerful military that has ever existed on the planet. Well, that's great since he's the most militaristic person that's ever existed. Five-time draft-dodging coward. Disgusting. I feel like he is impervious to anything negative, though. Like, there's nothing that can take him down. His supporters... I love the poorly educated. I mean, time after time, when he's called out or he changes his position within 24 hours or any of this stuff, he's, you know, tweeting memes that are inaccurate, any of this stuff, they don't seem to care. Yeah. 
So I wonder if, if there's anything that he could do or anything that could come out about him that would impact how he's doing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'm at a loss. I have no... No, there's no educated guesses coming out of Jesse D. I mean, this is, you know, the National Enquirer. Next time you're standing in line at the supermarket, look at those stupid magazines on the rack and look at what is on the cover of the National Enquirer. They say the craziest shit. And you have Donald Trump saying things that the National Enquirer, what is he going to start talking about what he read in Cosmopolitan magazine next? I mean, what the hell is going on? Seven ways to please your man. Seven secret ways to touch the penis that no one's ever thought of before. I just, it's, uh, (laughs) I don't know. It is not scrumptious. It is not lovely. It is not. Uh, That scrumptious item. Nor is it awesome, Brittany. Which is awesome in its own right. Chris. It is not awesome. <laughs> Which is awesome in its own right. How dare you, sir? <laughs> and just had myself a lovely lunch here. <laughs> that is completely off topic. Can All you right. can you send those to me? I want to have them be like my ringtone. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, that scrumptious item. All right. Uh, I think we're gonna have to keep those. They're too fucking good. They are great. Listen, uh, speaking of prognostication, I say speaking of it because you mentioned it several minutes ago. <laughs> um, the listener to the show shared this on his Facebook wall. Thank you, Devin. And uh, it is Christopher Hitchens, who I think the audience knows I, I revere and have a lot of respect for. Um, I miss him every every goddamn day. He died in 2011, December 15th, 2011. And the world is a sadder, less educated place because of his death. However, th- this little 30-second clip is of Donald is of Christopher Hitchens discussing his opinion of Donald Trump and the the possibility of him running for president. And this is prior to him even being sick. So this has to be like 2009. This has to be really early. And he seriously was spot on in his analysis. It always makes me suspicious when, you know, you have these apolitical businessmen saying, well, I just want to, you know, put the country back on its feet and restore incentives and so forth. There's there's something, frankly, I think sinister about it, unless the guy's prepared to say a great deal more about what his political opinions are. For example, has he ever voted before and for whom? I'd like to know, because it's it's much too easy to talk, you know, if if the country can be run like USA Inc., you know, with a real can-do guy, there's a whiff of fascism to that, I think. Let me ask you, So clearly he's not talking specifically about Donald Trump, but an apolitical businessman Mm -hmm. and then drops the F word, fascism, Mm -hmm. which is what Trump is clearly representing. It's more fascist type of views. I mean, if if you have fascism on a spectrum of political views and fascism being the far, far right side of that view, Donald Trump clearly represents that end of the spectrum. Right. Well, in talking about wanting to know who the candidate has voted for, Donald Trump is so ambiguous about everything. You can hardly nail him down on a position. Right. How how would well, we... He, he changes his position from hour to hour, literally from hour to hour. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you would get a truthful answer if you were to ask him, what has your voting record been? Yes. Who have you voted for in the past? I don't think he would tell the truth. Yeah, I don't either. All right, well, anyway, I just wanted to share that because I thought it was just, I don't know, how do you say it? 
fucking awesome. <laughs> Which is awesome in its own right. Thank you, Chris. It very much was. <laughs> so something that I'm eager to talk about would be the latest Hillary Clinton attack ads. Oh, yeah. Now, when I was watching <laughs> Tuesday night, I was watching just everything go crazy on the TV. Everyone was freaking out. And Gloria Borger, a political commentator on CNN, said that it is now essentially Hillary versus Trump. Yeah. And that the Clinton campaign is immediately going to work. Uh, they... She said that Tuesday night. Uh, well, I've been saying that for a long time that I cannot wait for this to happen because the Clinton machine, they I know they have an army of people sitting at computer monitors that have Adobe Premiere set up and they are just going to be churning out commercials, some of which we've already played. And so what happened? Well, Wednesday morning we wake up and we are graced with the two attack ads. The first one is entitled Unified Party. I am a unifier. We're going to be a unified party. He is a con artist. A phony. Donald Trump is the know-nothing candidate. Donald is a bully. This is an individual who mocked a disabled reporter. Ah, uh, I don't remember. Who attributed a reporter's questions to her menstrual cycle. Blood coming out of her, wherever. The most vulgar person to ever aspire to the presidency. The man who seems to only feel big when he's trying to make other people look small. Don't worry about it, little Marco. Gentlemen, the man is utterly angry. It's a sign of deep insecurity and weakness. The bullying, the greed, the showing off. I'm really rich. The misogyny, the absurd third grade theatrics. Count to ten, Donald. Count to ten. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. A narcissist at a level... I don't think this country's ever seen. He would not be the commander-in-chief we need to keep our country safe. This guy is so unfit to be commander-in-chief. His domestic policies would lead to recession. His foreign policies would make America and the world less safe. I bring people together. Everybody loves me. <sighs> He's got... He needs, he needs therapy. <laughs> so this is pre-convention. Yeah, absolutely pre-convention. The, the, the campaign hasn't even started yet, and they're hitting hard. This is an effective ad. Yes, this is. This had Marco Rubio, Mitt Romney, George Pataki, Jeb Bush, Carly Fiorina, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham. These are all Republicans. Right. Well-respected. Yes. Yeah. D players in the establishment, in the party, respected. People who get shit done. So the next one is equally as awesome, and it is Which called... Is awesome in its own right. <laughs> and it is entitled... I think it's actually probably more scrumptious. Uh, but it's that scrumptious item. Okay. I think it... <laughs> I think the title is The Party of Trump, right? That's right. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. I'll use the word anchor baby. This is a country where we speak English, not Spanish. You're going to have a deportation force. I will get rid of gun-free zones on schools. My first day, it gets signed. A total and complete shutdown. 
of Muslims entering the United States. Do you still believe that Muslims should be banned from entering the country until we can figure out what's going on, as you've said? Yes, we have to find out what the hell is going on. What do you think of what it I said it's fine. And if we want to go stronger, I'd go stronger too. When you get these terrorists, you have to take out their families. Bomb the shit out of them. Maybe Syria should be a free zone for ISIS. Can you tell the Middle East we're not using a nuclear weapon? I would never say that. I would never take any of my cards off the table. How about Europe? I, I'm not going to take it off the table. You might use it in Europe. He appeared to mock a reporter with a disability. Ah, uh, I don't remember. Planned Parenthood should absolutely be defunded. How do you life. ban abortion? You'll go back to a position like they had, where people will perhaps go to illegal places. Should the woman be punished? For having an abortion? There has to be some form of punishment. Will you condemn David Duke and say that you don't want his vote or other white supremacists? I don't know anything about white supremacists, so I don't know. Knock the crap out of him, would you? I'd like to punch him in the face. Everything I said I do, folks, I do, okay? I do. They're going to lose so fucking bad with Donald Trump as a nominee. Here's here's what I took away from that ad, though. I think that ad was geared toward Democrats. Mm-hmm. And it just really shows me the level of sophistication of the Clinton campaign, because this is an ad that's that's not geared to try to sway Republican voters or dissuade them. No. From voting. The other one was the other one's geared toward Republicans that look, this is your guy. These are your people who is roundly, roundly uh, disavowed. By people whom you respect in the party. Right. Yeah. So they are. Listen, this is this is the, we're going to be having a good, good time with you guys playing Hillary Clinton ads on the show <laughs> because they're going to be good. This much quality. It's going to be awesome. Well, so we talked earlier and said that it's basically Trump and Hillary, but there is still even Bernie in, Sanders. Even in spite of the Indiana win. I mean, listen, I think there might be a shot for Bernie Sanders, but it is astronomically slim. I mean, it, really, it's he might just be trying to run for a vice presidential nomination at this point. And I think she would be stupid to not name him mm-hmm. because there are a lot of very disaffected, angry Bernie Sanders voters who feel he didn't get a fair shake and will not. They will not cast a, a Hillary Clinton vote. It'll be a protest vote maybe for someone else mm-hmm. or just staying home to... to to tell her to fuck off. Well, similar to the Never Trump movement, there's essentially a Never Hillary movement. Yeah, absolutely. Where a lot of the Bernie Sanders supporters are saying, no, I will never vote for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But if he's the VP, maybe they'll change their mind. Which is a bummer because let me tell you, for our listeners who who, who, who share that viewpoint, do not be complicit in the election of Donald Trump if it takes voting for someone for whom you, you you have disdain, you need to do it because it's not just an empty phrase in this case, the lesser of two evils, because Donald Trump's a bad guy. Hillary Clinton's not good. She's terrible. But like someone said on CNN today, she is political malaria. He is political Ebola. Wow. I mean, goddamn, you do not want to be part of the problem in making uh, a situation where he wins, especially if you live in a state that's up for grabs. 
So something I, I want to say to the audience is if you live internationally, please write to us and tell us what is being reported. I would love to hear. Yeah, what are you and your friends talking about, too? <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear about it because I'm sure this is... Um, I'm sure this is difficult for everyone. <laughs> it's difficult for us. That's for fucking sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that, let's drop the phone number one last time for our European and international listeners. And where are our Australian listeners? I know we have Australian listeners and we never hear from them. I want to hear those sultry tones of your sweet, sweet accent. <laughs> You know, it's very scrumptious accent. Uh, I said that scrumptious item. Absolutely, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. You're really just driving it home. 657-464-7609. That is the, that is the phone number. Or you can email a voice memo to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Ida Keeling. Ida Healing? Keeling. Oh, Keeling. Yes. 100 years old. 100, 100 years old. Okay, great. Well, she's taking care of biz. No, no, no. That, that's not it? No. Just the fact that she's old? No. <laughs> she set a new world record for the 100 meter dash. <laughs> yes. Really? That's a thing? The yes. oldest. The oldest time... Now I'm kind of, that was my race in high school. So I I did well. I ran a sub 11 second 100 meter dash. Uh Uh-oh. Which is uh, pretty, pretty fucking good. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. What was her time? (laughs) Well. Like, what do you think? uh, 19 seconds for for an old lady? No. no, 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 no. Let's let's give it 25 seconds. Okay, well, listen. This age group that she was competing in is aged 80 and up. Oh, it's just 80 and up. Yes. And she won even over 80-year-olds. Yes. Wow. That's so boss. Her time in the 100-meter dash. Now, remember, this is a new world record. One minute and what? 17 seconds. <laughs> no, that's a fucking typo. You read that wrong. It Read it, the sentence. I want to hear the sentence. The sprinter, who is just a few weeks away from her 101st birthday, ran against competitors aged 80 and up and finished the race in one minute, 17.33 seconds. Are you fucking kidding me? A world record for her age group. So if I was to have run against her in high school, we could have left the the starting line at the same time. I could have got to the finish line microwaved a fucking burrito and then still had time before she got there. Yeah. That is exactly what you could have done. A minute and 17 seconds? Yes, but wait. After crossing the finish line, she celebrated the moment by doing five push-ups. Well, then she wasn't running fast enough. If you have that kind of energy after a race, you didn't exert yourself well enough. Well, we, it doesn't say how long it took her to do the five push-ups. I'm gonna ha- I might have to revoke the taking care of biz. She's <laughs> she's a little lazy. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. So she's awesome, and she's had a long life. She took up running late in life. Her daughter and trainer encouraged her to start running at age 67 after a family tragedy. She said that uh, both of her brothers had been murdered, and so she started sinking wow. very quickly. 
And her daughter says, I just picked her up one morning and said, you're coming with me. And I bought her an extra pair of sneakers and the rest is history. Since then, running has become one of her great joys. Listen, uh, all, all jokes aside, that's awesome. Being 101 years old and being active. I mean, listen, just getting to the microwave <clears throat> to microwave that burrito at 101 is pretty goddamn great. Right. She says, you see so many older people just sitting around. Well, that's not me. Do what you have to do, not what you want to do. Eat for nutrition and not for taste and exercise at least once a day. And most importantly, love yourself. Well, I do love myself. That's why I eat for taste and not nutrition. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, she's definitely taking care of biz. Thank you very much. We appreciate you guys joining us. Do not forget to check out the bonus episode. If you know a Patreon supporter, thank them because they are instrumental in providing that content to our general audience. If you too would like to be a Patreon supporter or to support the show in other ways, go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, follow the support the show link. You can be both Patreon and PayPal or just make a purchase on Amazon, and it goes a tremendous way. It is seriously awesome. Every little bit goes a long way. We appreciate you guys. You mean the world to us, and uh, we're working hard every day coming up with for new ideas for bonus content, and rest assured, there is more exciting stuff to come. So until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. And so I hit them, and guess what? They didn't do it after that. (laughs) 